You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. This is our 101st episode recorded on Wednesday, January 24th. I'm your host, Jeff Marlowe, and I'm joined today or tonight by my co-host, Kathy Amos. We're also joined by our special guest, Chloe Peterson of the Indy Star. And tonight, we'll be discussing IU and the Big Ten as we near the halfway point of the conference season. We will also preview upcoming opponent Northwestern. But as usual, we will start this show with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And for our banner moment tonight, Kathy, I'm going to go back to Sunday, and I'm going to kind of toot our horn a little bit. We had, we celebrated our 100th episode of Doing the Work on Sunday, and kudos to all the fans who helped make that possible. And also we want to shout out to Eagle Eye here in the banner moment. For those of you who did not get a chance to listen to the uh, to the podcast yet, Eagle Eye was the winner of our home field giveaway. And our banner moment is brought to you by Home Field Apparel, presenting sponsor of the Back Home Network, who includes the Assembly Call and Crimson Cast. Home Field is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. You are bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that just loves great collegiate gear. They are constantly, uh, not only do you get quality apparel, but you are supporting an Indiana-based business that has its roots in the Kelly School of Business. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME23, that's H-O-M-E-2-3, to get 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME23 for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. And in news, uh, since we haven't had any games this week, Sarah Scalia was named to the top 10 Ann Myers-Drysdale Award candidate list that came out this week. Yarden Garzone was named to the top 10 Cheryl Miller Award candidates list. IU moved up to 13th in the uh, WBCA coaches poll and to 14th in the AP poll. And Mackenzie Holmes was listed on the all on the Big Ten All Big Ten honor roll. And I'm still trying to figure out how she wasn't Player of the Week when she shot 21 for 24 uh, in two wins. But oh well. I guess maybe was it Caitlin Clark again? I didn't look. I just assumed with her 45 points. That's who Probably. I just assume they give it to her every week. At Probably. This point. Probably was, but I'm still surprised. So, so anyway, we're going to throw it over to Kathy for the Amos angle and get kind of her initial thoughts on the, uh, with what we're talking about tonight. Yeah. Just uh, first off, thanks again, Chloe, for joining us. It's always nice yeah. to, to get a, an extra voice on here. I'm sure people appreciate having that as well. Not always <laughs> listening to Jeff and I drone on. So glad to have you here. Number one. Uh, yeah. Just excited for how our, our women bounced back um, after the Iowa loss and came back and uh, really, even without Sydney, Sydney Parrish did a great job on Sunday against Purdue shooting the, the three ball. And uh, really just doing a great job there, I thought, all around. And just excited to see some of these um, uh, mid-season 
our mid-conference season now. We're past the halfway point with the total season of, you know, Sarah, Yarden, and, and McKenzie both coming out on these lists. And of course, I'm super excited for our, our 100th episode that we had on Sunday too. Just happy to uh, have made it this long and glad we have some people um, still out there listening to us that made it possible. So yeah, just all around a nice, quiet week for basketball all around, I think. Um, had an exciting game the other night um, with the on the women's side uh, with uh, Utah um, out there pulling off a good upset mm. and um, over UCLA. And that was fun game to watch. But in terms of uh, Big Ten, it's kind of quiet and especially for Indiana. So I think it's probably good with um, Sydney being out and getting that kind of time to recuperate. So that's kind of what's on my mind today. Let's throw it over to Chloe and give Chloe a welcome here to doing the work. Chloe's been with us before. But happy to have her back here. And Chloe, just kind of your thoughts, not only on kind of the Big Ten season so far, but since we last talked, just how you feel like the season's kind of gone so far or anything else you want to talk about at this point? Yeah, thanks for having me. I think the season's gone about as I expected it would be for IU so far this season. Obviously, they have their two losses to Stanford and Iowa, but those are kind of two losses I expected them to get. Not Probably not as much of a blowout losses as I thought they would be but you know there's still something I wasn't really sure I you could you know pull out in that aspect but it's kind of been a little bit smooth sailing for them after that obviously other than the parish injury which we still don't really know kind of how long that's going to be or how long she's going to be out or what um or how you know how bad it is for her but hopefully for her it's not that bad she can get back pretty soon yeah and Chloe we asked you a little bit about this off air but coach Morin has not had a there was no radio show this week um with I wonder if that was just pre-scheduled with the bye um I hate to call it a bye but with the week off um she didn't have her show do you know when her next press availability is will it be like the day before the Northwestern game will that be her next press availability I would think so. Usually they have those, they tell us those a day in advance. So I would think tomorrow we would know if she's going to have a press availability ahead of Northwestern because I would assume they'd do it on Friday. But, but yeah, I haven't heard anything about Parrish as well, but obviously in a boot and on crutches, putting no weight on it isn't that good of a sign. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Now, you bring up something really interesting, Chloe, because you were at the game, I I assume, on Saturday or on Mm -hmm. Sunday because you were posting tweets. I think you might have been one of the first I saw who tweeted it out. Um, But so she wasn't putting, you know, really any kind of weight on it, even with the boot and the crutches, huh? It wasn't looking like it. Like she was standing on both legs, but when she was, you know, crutching to and from the locker room, she wasn't putting any weight on it from what I could see. Okay. Yeah. Appreciate that. Because again, for those of us who were only watching on TV, we, the first thing we really knew was about a half hour before the game, you, I think Talia Goodman was another, but I think, you know, you and Talia both, I think about the same time we're tweeting out that, that information about Sydney being in the boot and, and with that. So um, with that, so Kathy, just real quick, I'll throw it over to you. Um, Lexi got to start and I'll actually come back to Chloe with this as well. I'll kind of go around the horn here. Uh, Lexi got to start on Sunday against Purdue and she played fairly well. Do you think that's who we'll see? Assuming we won't see Sydney on Sunday against Northwestern. Right. Who do you, yeah. you know, Lexi again, or do you maybe, maybe go a little different route? 
Yeah, I think that's probably what we're going to see because our two main bench players have been Lexi and Lily, and I don't think you're going to have Lily coming in um, and starting instead of Sydney. To me, that makes absolutely no sense um, since she's supposed to be McKenzie's backup and giving her rest. And, uh, you know, Lexi's been usually either the first or the second one off the bench. It's always been between those two. And I think we know how Coach Morin really values um, her, her leaders in terms of seniority on the team and the experience, I guess I should say. Um, so I don't see like she wouldn't swap out Lene as an example. I think Lene um, has rightfully so need to do some work yet. You know, she's only a freshman and I don't think she's quite there to be a, a starter for us. And Lexi, I thought did an admirable job. I think again, like we talked about on Sunday, the thing with Lexi that we're really missing uh, is that offensive production and the rebounding. Her defense, I think is, has been just fine. Um, it's just that offense and the rebounding that we get from Sydney. That's just such a big goal um, hold to, to fill in. And so that will be an interesting, if this becomes, you know, a prolonged, uh, outage for a couple, you know, two, three, four weeks, you know, how do we, how do we really plug that hole in with off offensive production? Because, you know, we've talked about Lexi's shot. It's not the prettiest, but she does have a way to, she does need to find a way to get to the basket and maybe get some layups and some drives and, and facilitate getting some more offensive production, I think from her. Yeah. Coy, over to you. Do you kind of think it'll be Lexi again on Sunday against Northwestern or could you see it going a different route? Yeah, I would think it would still be Lexi. At first, I wasn't sure if um, Jules Lamondola would mm -hmm. kind of get the start because she's Sydney's direct backup. But right. it makes sense that Lexi would go out as the first person off the bench and they kind of play more of a small ball kind of lineup for the first couple minutes at least. But I think Lexi has the most experience kind of when it comes to what Morin wants to do. And obviously, Morin doesn't use her bench very much as it is. So she, I'm not right. surprised she would go to Lexi, who has more experience and would likely become a starter next year anyway. Yeah, right. Good point. Yeah. Um, so let's talk real quick about Northwestern. We previewed this a little bit on the 100th podcast on Sunday coming out of the Purdue game. But let's kind of recap it real quick, Kathy. And I'm going to, you know, I'll hit the preliminaries here. And then why don't you take a little bit down to the analytics. And I want to bring in, I'll kind of jump in with the analytics. We'll get Chloe's thoughts about some of it too as well. But um, but we want to talk about a new site that we kind of found and we've gotten access to here to give us some help with some of the analytics. But uh, Sunday at home, um, 12 noon Eastern time start 11 central be on BTN plus for those of you who, you know, and, you know, not fans of BTN plus it is, well, it's gotta be one of the last games probably that's going to be on BTN plus I would think. Uh, but I will say this as somebody who's got a son going to the IU, uh, may possibly he's been, ex been accepted. IU has a major decision where he's going, who possibly may be doing some of those broadcasts in the future. The students do a pretty decent job with the BTN plus and uh, not all their thought but northwestern currently 222 in the net all right and then kathy why don't you kind of take it from there and just kind of streamline it you know, however you want excuse me however yeah you want. we kind of talked already about the history between the two teams i won't um recap that um but jumping down to maybe into some of the the analytics and as Jeff alluded to, we're kind of getting this from someplace called her hoop stats. So in terms of the head to head, um, in terms of their, just the overall rating, IU is seventh versus Northwestern at 239th, um, offensive efficiency. IU is ninth on that website versus 174 for Northwestern defensive efficiency. Indiana's eighth versus Northwestern at 320th. 
Um, tempo, Indiana plays an interesting, um, a bit slower tempo at mm. 156 versus 109 for Northwestern. Um, effective field goal percentage, IU is actually first there. So that's kind of cool to see. Um, and Northwestern is 146. Um, and then last, I think I'll leave it here. And then Jeff, if you want to talk about any of the others, we can, but in terms of then on the opposite end, uh, the opponent's efficiency field goal percentage, um, Indiana is 81st versus Northwestern 152nd. So, um, just kind of a, you know, kind of a couple quick observations looking at those. I, I was really, I'm surprised, not surprised at the effective field goal percentage. I am surprised we're first on there, but that's really cool to see. I was hoping to see us a little better on the defensive end, but that kind of backs up what we've been talking about. I think Jeff all year with the team where it feels like defensively, they're just not quite as strong as what we've seen in past years with the Indiana teams here. So um, 81st on, uh, you know, a low, allowing the opponents to have an effective field goal rate there. Yeah. And, and uh, before I come back to that, I want to get Chloe's thoughts a little bit about Northwestern as a whole. Obviously, they're struggling um, a little bit. And as, as Joel points out in the chat with the workaholics, and, and this was one thing I was going to point out, they do tend to play a little faster pace. They, they like to run, they, especially when they had their good team. So Joe McCallum, their coach, has really not changed the overall philosophy. But Chloe, just kind of your thoughts overall on Northwestern a little bit as we head into the game on Sunday. Yeah, they've had a couple down years. I think ever since Veronica Burton left, mm -hmm. and I think it was 2021, Northwestern hasn't been that good from what I've seen from them, but still, I think they are a very defensive-minded team. That's what McCowan does, but I know he's also been sick the past couple games, and they've had their, they've had an interim head coach, um, Tangela Smith, who has been coaching them, so that kind of puts them in another state of flux as well, so it'll be interesting to see how they go against Indiana, which is probably the best team they've played since McCowan went down with this illness, which we also don't know if he'll be back by then mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, and Northwestern is going to come in 7-11. and 11. Well, right now they got a game tonight. They're playing at Penn State, or actually tomorrow, I think it is. Tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, yeah, sorry. I misread the misread the run sheet here. They'll at Penn State tomorrow going into that game 7-11, and 2-5 and five in the conference. So, And right now Penn State's starting to play better, but we'll discuss them a little bit later as we get into the league. Um, and, Chloe, I want to bring you into this real quick, and then I'm going to come back to Kathy on a couple of the things Kathy talked about. You Obviously, you have the run sheet that we shared with you. Looking at the efficiency numbers here from, and by the way, for those of you who her hoop stats, I this is one of those things that in the last oh two three months I've been thinking about and I hadn't really acted on it. Um, but I was like, there's got to be somebody out there now who's doing a Ken Palm style women's analytics, it just had to be, but I didn't really act on it. I kept thinking, you know, kind of thought, well, maybe Ken Palm will eventually jump on board and they'll have some women's stuff. But yeah, so I just, over the weekend, I finally started doing some digging. I did some research and I found this, her hoop stats, and they are, I won't say they're the, the, the best, but they're one of the couple or three, two or three I found. And I really liked what I saw on their free side. There is some stuff you can pull up for free. 
and I liked it. We were able to convince Jared. Kudos to Jared and Assembly Call, who really can still help us out when we need to fund something. And Jared was willing to get the account for us. So Kathy and I have access to that account now. And there's some neat stuff in there. We're still trying. I don't know how much, Kathy, you had to have a chance to look at it real quick. But I, I, I've had a chance to look at it a little bit. But I'm still kind of figuring out some of it and, and some of the nuances. But it looks like there's just a trevor, treasure trove of information there for women's for women's basketball. Kathy, real quick, what do you thought? Have, have you had a chance to look at the site? No, I haven't had a chance yet, Jeff. So okay. um, I pulled it up for a, just a little bit the other day and had about five or 10 minutes to, to mess around on there. But no, I haven't been able to look into it as much as you have. All right. So I'm going to throw it back to Chloe here then. So Chloe, kind of looking at the analytics, like offensive efficient, defensive efficiency, do any of those numbers for IU surprise you at all based on eye test? Uh, not really from the eye test. I'm not surprised the field goal efficiency or their effective field goal efficiency is first that's something you know that they're very good at just making shots as evidenced by um, that yeah. game where they went 15 to 15 from the field to start the game but and um the rebound rate obviously that's i think the lowest one that they have and that's not surprising either because nope. they're they're not the best rebounding team yeah. i've seen why you brought that up chloe i'll come back to that but keep going but yeah as evidenced by, I think it took nine and a half minutes for them to get their first rebound against <laughs> yes, Purdue. That's right. It was 31 Sunday. seconds left. Not that we yeah. noted it down, but yes. <laughs> I was I was sitting in press row and I was just like, I and I was looking at the stats and I was just like, they really just haven't gotten the rebound yet. But I think it was it was Lexi who finally got one yep. at the end of the first quarter. Yes. But none of those, none of the analytics really stick out as, you know, that's surprising to me. I think the one thing that surprises me, and again, you got to remember, there's like 360 <laughs> teams, but I thought the tempo was an interesting number because I kind of think IU plays fairly upbeat, up-tempo, and IU was 156 in tempo. And, and so that really puts them about middle of the pack. Now, again, they're so efficient that it doesn't, you know, it, 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 that tempo doesn't play as big a role maybe, but Kathy was, did that surprise you a little bit about tempo? Yeah. When I just read that 156 surprised me for sure. Um, I would have thought it was actually a little bit faster, but, um, <laughs> so yeah, that does, what is there about 322 teams? Now, is there's, roughly somewhere in there? It's about 360 right in there. I, okay. I, I've looked at the net, especially looking at the net when I've been doing some of the updates there on Substack. Um, that with the the net weekly, I know like Evansville's down like 345, 350, mm. and there's only about 10 teams or so below them, right? I keep yeah, waiting to be in bomb five, yeah. The rebounding rate again, it was 109th. Yeah. That didn't surprise me either. We've been talking about rebounding all year, um, and I think the, again, the big concern for us on the rebounding side is the the defensive rebounding. You know, if they're shooting at a high clip, that's fine. They don't need the offensive rebounding as much, but allowing teams to get those second, third chances, then you're out of position. It makes you more prone to fouling. I think that's the bigger concern. And that 109th really backs up the, the story. I think we've been telling all year, Jeff. Yeah. And the thing about the defensive or the rebounding rate as the nice thing on her hoop stats is that mm -hmm. it actually has last year stuff right next to it. They're down about 50 spots, give or take. It's about 50 spots lower than where they were last year on rebound rate. And mm -hmm. I think that that totally, Chloe, I think that meets the eye test that we've kind of seen all year, that there have been times where this team is, even when Sydney's healthy, and I'll come back to this mm -hmm. in a second, um, 
where they've struggled to rebound. Not just at Purdue. No. So Chloe, did, Chloe, you, you kind of so, so probably not a surprise for you, Chloe, that they're fifty spots lower than they were last year. No, that's not really surprising to me at all. I think that's one of the things they kind of sneakily miss about Grace Berger too. It's something oh, she was yeah. really good at doing, and it's something I don't think they were anticipating. You know, really having to make up for because it was more of her scoring and more of her you know pace on the floor. But then right. she's picked up a lot of rebounds as well. Yeah. Kathy, I'm gonna be kind of Kathy, I'm gonna be kind of interested to see how this plays out over these next couple of weeks or so. Um Joel is telling us in the workaholics that the the rumor that he is getting that she may be out for up to a month, is this number going to drop more if Sydney's not available? Or are they going to find a way to kind of stay where they're at? Because again, that hundred you know rebound rate at 109th, it's okay. But boy, it's hard, in my opinion, as a former coach, and I'll come back to both of you, but Kathy, I'll throw it to you first. Hard to be an elite team when you're 109th in rebound rate. Yeah, I I agree. And again, you know, I I think it's just that defensive end where we're allowing so many second chance shots and third chance shots. Um, And, you know, Sydney was really one that was, I think she was leading the team and rebounding before she got hurt. Um, So it's going to be a a collective effort, I think, in, in this in this case. And I will be interested to see because usually Coach Morin's philosophy is to try to push the ball down to the other end. And so I don't really see a whole lot of the guards crashing the the boards, you know, defensively, and they certainly don't on the offensive end. But I, again, talking more on the defensive side, um, because that's my bigger concern. Um, I don't I, I do see this actually getting a little bit worse with our best rebounder going out. It's not really been um kind of a coach's philosophy, if you will, to really send everyone to the defensive board to kind of crash that that board. Instead, they're sending some people out to kind of leak out on offense and try to get some fast breaks. Um, so unless they change their philosophy to send more guards to the boards and try to help collectively, I don't see this getting better, especially with Lexi coming in um, to back up Sydney and not someone like Jules. So I, I do actually kind of think that it might go down. Um, <laughs> Chloe, back to you again, without Sydney here, um, is this something you're going to keep a little bit more of an eye on or something that maybe is going to be, cause I thought it showed up at Purdue. And is that something that they're going to have to find a way to get better at than with Sydney Parrish, not on the floor? Yeah, I definitely agree with everything that Kathy said in the sense of they don't really try to crash at all. And I am definitely going to kind of keep an eye on it on if it gets worse because I know it's not really Morin's philosophy of rebounding but after every game usually she talks about how she has a you know she has something she wants her team to do whether it's hold someone to five three-pointers or win the rebounding game and sometimes she says we won the rebounding game even though it's by one and you know you can win the rebounding game by one but then and other games you lose it by I don't even remember how much they lost it by at Purdue, right. but eventually it's just gonna keep trending worse for them. Um, so who her hoop stats also is kind of in a, a very Ken Palmish. They uh, give IU a 99.4% chance of winning on Sunday, and the predicted score is 92 to 53. Uh, and at this point, I'm not sure I, I need a 39 point win. I this would be a game where I want us to win comfortably. But yeah. I would like to see us be able to get Jules and Lene right. uh, a little more run in a game like this. Don't you think, Chloe? 
Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be a game they're going to win easily because Northwestern's kind of been down, as we've said, for the past couple of years. And I think it would be a great opportunity to get kind of Jules and Lene out there and kind of get them some more minutes, especially since they're probably going to be taking on a bigger role if Sydney ends up being out for a couple more or for more than just a couple games because they have Maryland after Northwestern, mm-hmm. which Maryland isn't as good this year as they have been in past years, but they're still a formidable team. And then they have Ohio State after that, which is going to be a tough one. And right. both those both those games on the, on the road. Yeah. Yep. Kathy, let's, so let's move into this. Let's talk about IU first before we kind of get into the league. Yeah. And obviously IU will be part of the league discussion. I'm going to throw it to you here. Right now, I guess – so far, halfway through, and we're not officially halfway. We're just, but we're pretty close. Uh, um, what's been maybe the biggest surprise or the biggest um, um, uh, some something that's really caught your eye? Like I didn't didn't think they'd be as good at that this team has been doing, or an individual as good at. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think the three ball has uh, just been a really pleasant surprise on and the the good way. I mean, we're just really shooting lights out, I think. And, you know, they were a good three point shooting team last year, but I think Sarah in particular was a little bit more um, sporadic, I think with the three, with her three point shot. Um, And it has been a little bit this year, but not the the degree we saw, I I think from Sarah last year. And, you know, right now they're second in the league and three point field goal percentage at you know, 40.3%. Um, you know, that's just really, uh, I think a really great, um, place to be. And, you know, they're not far behind in ter- terms of, um, three point field goals made and fourth in the league where they're making around 18 per game, um, or excuse me, eight per game. 18 um, would be impressive. No, sorry. They've had 18 games and they're making around eight um, threes per game, which I, even eight to me is really impressive. And so that has been, I think, a nice surprise that I've seen. Again, not that we didn't see that from them last year. I just think this year it feels a little bit more consistent with Sarah really um, leading the way for us. Yeah. Uh, Chloe, same same kind of question to you. Is there something that's been a development or a surprise, whether it's team or individual here that you've seen this year so far? Yeah, I, I would agree with Kathy on the three point, um, three point range thing. I thought, especially after when Sydney went down at Purdue, that their three point shooting would struggle. And I think mm-hmm. they had a program record 15 three pointers that game. So it's obvious that, you know, that's really kind of, developed to the point where they have depth other than Sydney and then Sarah obviously she's I think second in um three-point shooting percentage behind um Madison Layden at Purdue so and she's shooting 44 percent from the field this season so far so that's really something that she's improved on and it's something she's always been good at because she was known as three-point shooter in Minnesota but it's something I think she kind of backed off a little bit last year coming off the bench and now she's kind of being in the starting lineup she's really just gotten to go ahead to shoot it whenever yeah, yeah. I, and i agree with both of you uh the three-point shooting is probably the biggest development especially for those of us who've been following for a couple years uh, that was the one drawback that was the one besides bench it, this one of the biggest criticisms kind of game in game out was the lack of three-point shooting consistent three-point shooting that they had a couple, three years ago, whereas now you feel like it's definitely a strength um, with that. And and I also will say, I think one of the best developments 
and I, that I think I've seen is at least, and again, it's not every game, but I feel like Coach Morin has gone a little bit deeper to the bench. And again, a lot of the games have been games where they can get them in a little more comfortably. But I like the fact that we've had games where, especially Mac, hasn't mm-hmm. played 35 minutes a game. You know, and again, we're in the Big Ten season. She's going to play more minutes. But I like those, you know, but there were games in the past where non-conference games, especially, or, or Big Ten teams that we could blow out that they were playing a lot. The stars were playing a lot of minutes and this year they see that they're not quite playing as many. And I think that's going to show up later in the season. So that for me is a development. I really like, um, I'm going to go back around the horn here. Chloe, is there anything besides rebounding we've already talked about? So let's not, let's take a rebounding out. Chloe, is there a concern that, or an issue that you think this team has going forward that you, that, that if they want to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, they got to get fixed. I mean, I would just think getting, you know, getting some minutes for their bench, because when you get into Big Ten tournament season, when you get into NCAA tournament season, I mean, I think what IU would play three games in three days, the Big Ten tournament, assuming they make it to the championship, and then they play every other or two games in three days, the NCAA tournament. So kind of just making sure, especially with McKenzie kind of, last year about this time or around the big 10 tournament NCAA tournament time is when her knee issues cropped up again. Mm -hmm. So kind of just making sure that they have the depth on the bench and they kind of get those minutes for their, um, get those minutes so they can, you know, kind of aptly back up the starters would Mm -hmm. be the main concern. Yeah. Kathy. Yeah. I think to your point, Jeff, you know, I'm just looking at, um, average minutes per game. We only have two of our starters that are in the top 25 in the league. Mm-hmm. We have Sarah Scalia, um, who has been averaging right around 31.6 minutes per game and Chloe Moore McNeil at 30.6, but there's nobody else from Indiana that's in that top 25 in the league, which to me, I think, you know, I don't know for a fact for last year or previous years, but I would think that would be kind of unusual that we didn't have more people averaging 30 minutes or more. We only have the two. And I think that kind of backs up your, your point that the um, coaching staff and coach Morin has been a lot more willing to play their bench, not just um, more often, but longer as well. And we see, you know, quite often Lily in particular coming in off the bench for McKenzie, you know, in the first quarter right away. And Lexi coming in in that first quarter and really doing more rotations. And so it's nice to see. I think our bench depth still has room um, to grow, especially from a production standpoint. But step one is to get them the minutes, right? And so I think we're we're seeing that. So um, I'm glad to to see that quite a bit. And hopefully, as you mentioned on Sunday, when we play Northwestern, we'll be able to really up their minutes quite a bit in that game if it all goes to plan, I think. Okay. Yeah, I, I would agree with those two things. And Mike, one of my concerns though is free throw shooting. The and I'm not sure it can get easily solved, but when you're 13th yeah. or 14th in the league in free throw shooting, that's a concern because tight games at tournament time, you know, tournament games, especially once you get past the first round of the NCAA tournament, second round, regional semi, regional final, those games often come down to who makes free throws. And yeah. We are I second would, to last now, Jeff, yeah. and free throw, not by much. Yeah. Michigan yeah. 69.1 and we're 69.9. Yeah. So, yeah. I think I think that went right down way. from last I checked. It was 11. It <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, 11th isn't great. So, um, no. <laughs> I'm going to throw it around about a couple individuals. Kathy, we'll come back to you yeah. as we kind of keep going around the horn here. Just give us your thoughts about Chloe Moore McNeil, and especially now with Sydney out, 
we've, we've talked about Chloe throughout the year, obviously, but just kind of your overall thoughts about how Chloe has played and maybe how her game maybe changes slightly if Sydney's going to be out for an extended period mm -hmm. of time. Yeah, so I think Chloe's doing Chloe things that she's been doing, you know, that we really saw from her last year when she really had to step in for Grace and she just picked up where she left off and then some. Um, you know, Chloe again is leading the league in assist to turnover ratio um, at only 2.8. So she's just really out there running the offense. Um, and then obviously on the defensive side, we almost always see her get the, the hardest matchup, you know, assuming it's a guard or somebody not um, down low that McKenzie would be guard guarding. I think she's always getting that tough defensive matchup too what I think we've started to see from Chloe is you know coach Moore and kind of you know talked about it in in one of her post-game press conferences where she needed her to be more aggressive offensively and getting buckets not just sharing the ball and I think we've seen that as well. And we just saw it in, at Purdue, right, with her career high of 20 points. And I think that's what we're really going to need from Chloe, you know, as much as she's already shouldering for the team between facilitating the ball on the offensive end and then the tough defensive um, matchup on the other end. I just think that, unfortunately, with Sydney out, that's like we were talking about, that offensive production has to go somewhere. And to me, Chloe is one of the, the natural people we're going to see have to ratchet up. Um, if we're really going to be able to fill in that gap for Sydney. Chloe, your thoughts about Chloe? <laughs> yeah, I think the same things. Obviously, at Purdue, um, they only had two bench points, two points from Lene. So it kind of went all to, or there were no points from Lexi either. So it was all of the points other than two went to the four main starters. And mm -hmm. that was because Chloe could kind of, you know, get her career high. And I think with Sydney being out, Chloe will be able to get kind of more shots up because, you know, Sydney was some, someone she or Chloe could always trust to pass to and she'd find a good shot. But now I think Chloe is more <laughs> taking those shots for herself. You don't think she's going to do that with Lexi? <laughs> I think it'll probably be a little bit less. Well, Sydney was more established, you know. <laughs> she, might be, she might be willing to throw it to Lexi. Lexi just may not shoot. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I hope not. No. Um, yeah. Let's go back around again the other way here. And let's talk about somebody who had a really good game at Purdue um, with the exception of some turnovers, uh, but has kind of been a little bit of sophomore slump here in the last three, four weeks. And that's Yarden Garzon. And Chloe, you're, you get to go to more games than Kathy and I do. And so you get to see a little bit more of the players, you know, personally. And, and there's just different things you can see when you're at the game than when you're watching on TV. Just kind of give us your thoughts about how Yarden's been playing. And if you feel like maybe the Purdue game is going to be able to jumpstart her, especially again, maybe Sydney being out. I'm not saying Sydney's taking anything away from her, but it there is now going to be more of an emphasis. I think Yarden understands. I got to pick it up a little bit. Yeah, I think I know Morin mentioned a couple games ago, obviously Yarden has been going through a lot with the war in Israel. Yep. And I think Morin insinuated that, you know, that kind of ratcheted it up a little bit in the past couple weeks and that, you know, she's been struggling kind of because she's had a lot of things on her mind. But I think in the past two games, Yarden has really, you know, kind of gone back to her old self. She had three three-pointers at Purdue, I believe, three or four. And then she's kind of, looked less frustrated on the court because I think a lot of it she was just making mistakes and then having kind of some dumb turnovers that she could have avoided but I think at Purdue especially she kind of got back to where she has been since last year and earlier this season. Kathy your thoughts about Yarden? 
Yeah, I, I agree. It kind of feels like, you know, other than a few really humongous games, she has kind of had that sophomore slump. And again, I would have to, you know, pull up the numbers between last year and this year to, to really back that up. Um, you know, maybe she was not quite as consistent as I, you know, my memory is wanting her to be um, last year either. And so, um, you know, but still she's, you know, we have three players in the top 25 in the, the league in terms of made three pointers. And she's one of them, you know, she's 16th in the league at averaging 1.73s per game. I think the reason why we're probably talking about it in this, this kind of, uh, I don't want to say negative tone, but at least neutral tone um, with her is that it's not consistent. She'll have a game where, you know, she'll just go for three or four threes. You know, we saw that in one of the games down in Fort Myers, the, the Purdue game here where she just had a lot of threes and then all of a sudden she'll kind of disappear on us. And so, you know, I, um, I think that it's not, she's not paying poorly. It's just, again, it's not that consistent, but again, is it fair to her to say we need her to always be making two, three, four, three pointers when you also have Sarah um, on the team as well, or Sydney when Sydney was healthy too. So, um, so I, I think Yard, Yarden has been doing um, a fine job. I'm not concerned about her at all. I just, it would be nice to see a little more even and consistent scoring from her um, if I was going to nitpick. Yeah, I, I think you both it would take the thoughts I would have. Just a lot of things going on for that young lady, and then also trying to play basketball, go to school. Yeah. And then, but I, I agree with Chloe. I think there's been a little bit of uh, some frustration, and because she just knows she's capable of playing better. And when you make some of those turnovers that are sometimes simple turnovers that you know better, and that, that frustrates you even more, and 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 such. So with that, so that's kind of unless do either of you have anything else you want to bring up about IU here, just in I context of you otherwise i'll move on to the league no i think i'm good all right so let's talk about the league um first of all before we get kind of too deep into it coley i'll start with you surprise in the big 10 good or bad i mean a team that has overperformed what you thought they might or a team that's underperformed i think uh minnesota has been a good surprise for um, the Big Ten so far. Obviously, they had that loss to Wisconsin, that three-point bad loss yesterday. But since then, they've kind of they've surprised me with how they've actually kind of been competitive in most of the games they've played so far. Because last year they were kind of just down in the dumps of the Big Ten, and it was kind of seen as an easy loss or an, an easy win for <laughs> most other Big Ten teams. This this year, they, I think they only had one loss through non-conference play, and that was UConn, which they played them pretty close. Right. And then they've Who been pretty, <laughs> yeah, and then they've been pretty solid throughout um, league play so far, other than that loss yesterday. Right, Kathy. Yeah, Minnesota would have been one I, I would have said. Um, the other one I would say is probably Michigan State. Um, with all of the new players um, coming into that that team, I didn't think they would gel quite as well as they have. And, you know, maybe people might be surprised to hear me saying that with where they're at in the league. You know, they're sitting at three and four um, and ninth in the league. But I think they've played some teams really, really tight and really close. You know, we talked about, about them, you know, with the Iowa game when they were on the road to Iowa. Um, if I remember that game went into overtime and, um, it took overtime for Iowa to beat them at home. But if you look at their net ranking, they're 19th. And so it's, you know, it's come down a little bit since the league play has started, but not a whole lot. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised to see, um, Michigan state actually climb up a little bit from that ninth spot that they're in. I just think they probably played 
um, quite a few harder games um, than uh, earlier in the league. Um, like tonight, they played uh, Purdue tonight and beat them 97 to 70 already. Um, and just another update, Michigan is um, losing at home to Maryland. So um, so I think the, the surprise to me, though, to answer your question is Michigan State right now. I agree. I think especially on the positive side, those two teams are, are kind of a surprise um, with that. Um, and, and with Michigan State winning, they're going to rise up to four and four and be tied with Minnesota in the league. Um, right now, Michigan's losing. They'd slide back to four and four. And I'm going to come back to them in a few minutes. Uh, but I'm going to go kind of the other way. And then I want to get your guys' thoughts as well, because I do agree. Mm-hmm. I think Minnesota and Michigan State are, are a couple of, of surprises that we didn't see. I, I got to say, Illinois, for me, it's Illinois and Purdue. Because uh, I thought that Illinois yeah. was a team that was going to be a top five, top six team in the league. Um, I thought Purdue had a chance to be, you know, possibly in that top five or six at fifth or sixth. And right now, neither of those, and, and again, Illinois two and five in the league, but they, and they host Ohio State tomorrow night. But uh, I just think those two right now are probably the teams that are toward the bottom of the league that to me are surprising because again, Mm -hmm. they just Mm -hmm. haven't, they haven't performed. So Kathy, what are your thoughts about Purdue and Illinois? Yeah, I think you, you definitely hit the nail on the head with both of those. I I would have absolutely expected both of those teams to be kind of more towards the the middle of the pack. Um, Definitely expected them to, to get into the the NCAA tournament. And right now I don't think either one of them are projected to get in, you know, Illinois sitting 56th in their net ranking and Purdue's down to 79th. And that was before their loss tonight, Mm -hmm. um, which is absolutely not going to help their net ranking at all. And they're going to probably slide even more. So um, those two are very surprising to me um, in terms of where we thought they would be higher than, than what Mm -hmm. they are at currently. Chloe, your thoughts about Purdue and or Illinois? Yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised about both of them as well. I thought Illinois was kind of going to be it's more of a dark Illinois. horse in mm-hmm. the league, and they've kind of just fallen apart. And with Purdue, I was a little bit skeptical of them because I know they only have five returning players. So I was kind of skeptical on how that would all gel, but it obviously seems it's like not. it has not worked out <laughs> too well for them so far. And I mean, another team I'm kind of surprised about is Rutgers, where I didn't expect them to be good, really, but I didn't expect them to be 0-8 in the league bad, Yeah. kind of with all the, um, with, you know, them being known as such a good defensive team under C. Vivian Stringer for however Mm -hmm. many years, it's kind of jarring to see them just go to 0-8 two years after she's retired. Yeah. And, and kind of to, to add on to your point there about, you know, Purdue did have a lot of, you know, lost some people, but Illinois didn't. Um, so I agree with you, Chloe. I think Illinois is definitely between Illinois and Purdue, the more surprising one. I think Illinois had one of the top 10 most minutes returning in the, in the country, not just definitely in the league. I know in the league, they were, had the most minutes returning of any, any team. And with as well as they did last year, I really thought they would actually take another jump forward and be kind of knocking on that, you know, door for fifth or fourth, even Um, really didn't expect them to be down here in the 10th range where they're, they're currently at. 
Yeah, and I'll chime in here on Illinois too. I think and Purdue. These were both tournament teams last year. That, yeah. that they're now, you know, barring some you know big turnaround, are probably going to miss the tournament this year. Um, with that, so let's talk a little bit because the league has started to kind of separate at least at the top of 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 it. And Kathy, I'll throw it to you. Um, Iowa, Indiana, Ohio State virtually tied. Uh, Ohio State will play a game tomorrow night at Illinois. If they win, that'll put it'll be a three way tie as we head into the weekend. Um, just and we kind of said this in the preview show for people who have not listened to us all along and they're just kind of catching on to us now here, kind of (laughs) since the season started. Kathy and I, we were both kind of in agreement that we felt Ohio State talent wise, Ohio State may have the most talent on the in the Big Ten. Now, whether that will translate to the floor. But that's why they beat, you know, they beat Iowa. You know, they got the talent. Um, so just, you know, overall, you look at Iowa, Indiana, Ohio State, how you kind of see it shake out from there? Do you see those? First of all, do you see those three teams still being the class of the league as we get to the end of February? And how do you think it shakes out? Yeah, I, I do. I think um, those are going to be our top three teams. Um, I, honestly, the way Iowa has looked, uh, I expect them to probably win the regular season conference. Um, title this year. Um, and I think it's going to be Indiana and Ohio State kind of battling for second. Um, I would say if Sydney really is out for any period of time, longer than just a few games here with the the games that we have coming up, I, I think Ohio State grabs that second spot from us. I think we're going to end up dropping some games we didn't expect to without Sydney. We're just not as deep as we, you know, even last year when Grace went out, you know, we had Sarah at the time was coming in off of the bench and we had, you know, basically five starters um, that were, yeah. Uh, Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Cause if at least on my screen, you froze up for a second. So go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No. All right. Um, Yeah. All I was saying is I just don't think this team has um, the depth behind Sydney to, to really um, be able to have her out for a prolonged amount of time, like we did with, with greats last year and kind of weather that storm. So I think um, to me right now, if I'm going to need to be a predicting person with the top three, I'm going to put it Iowa, Ohio state, and then Indiana. Cole, your thoughts on those top three teams. Yeah, I agree that I was probably going to run away with, the conference title, I could see them maybe dropping game to Indiana, depending on how loud Assembly Hall is when they come on the on February 22nd. But it's also, I was kind of used to that at this point. So I don't think it's going to phase them that much. And then I agree with Kathy that it's kind of going to all come down to, will Sydney be, um, will Sydney be healthy for these big games against Ohio State, against Iowa? kind of coming up in the next month because if she's out for a month she's going to be out for both Ohio State and Iowa and that's really going to hurt their depth so as of right now with what we know about Sydney I'd agree with um, Iowa then Ohio State then Indiana yeah I'm going to agree with both of you about how that shakes out now I will say the but here is if they can get, for my, even if Sydney misses some significant time, if they can get through these next three games, two and one, and ideally I would think winning at Maryland would be the second game and then a loss at Ohio State. Yeah. Their tougher games come back to Bloomington in February. They A lot of their tough yeah. games. So again, maybe without Sydney, the crowd can kind of help get them over that hump. Um, I, I still, I like, I think Iowa is now the team to beat, although I, again, going to be a tough thing to do, but Ohio state has a chance to go on a run. If they beat Indiana and Columbus, they got, I think they still have to go back to Iowa city, 
they but do. That's, that's the season closer. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. and, but they've got a chance. They'll be favored pretty much in every game from there on out. Um, but Iowa has to come back to Indiana. And again, like Chloe said, if, if, if the assembly hall crowd, that sold out crowd can really, you know, help them and push them over. I can see this be a real, even these top three being getting down into some tiebreaker scenarios of how it's going to, you know, be one, two or three. But I, I do agree. I think at least on paper right now, I would go Iowa, Ohio state, Indiana. Let's move into the next tier. And that's Nebraska, Maryland, Penn state, um, I'm going to leave Michigan out of this discussion because right now they're losing. So that would drop them to four and four. Let's look at the teams yeah. that have three losses. Those three, Nebraska, Maryland, Penn state. What do you think of those three teams, Chloe? And how do you think, and who's the better team at the end of February? Who's, who's the fourth place team out of those three? Yeah, I think, I think Nebraska will be the fourth place team out of them. Cause they've kind of just, I figured they would be good, but they've kind of surprised me with, you know, how they've, been competitive in every game and won a couple of good games so far but then Maryland they're kind of on a down year obviously they're still in the upper half of the year of the league um and then Penn State has also been a little bit surprising to me they were ranked for mm -hmm. a singular week before they lost to Princeton but um I think it'll either be Nebraska Maryland they could be um interchangeable at four and then Penn state will kind of run below them. But Penn state being in the top half of the league is kind of a good sign for them. Kathy. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly, I I'm, I'm pretty high on Penn state right now. I think the rest of their schedule um, face, you know, I was just kind of pulling it up to, to look at it. I think it stacks up pretty fav favorably for them other than, you know, they do have to go on the road to play um, Iowa in February. Um, but that's, um, I think that's the only time they play Iowa again this year. So they don't have uh, two games with Ohio state either. And that one is at home for them. Um, I think their schedule is shaping up pretty well. And with both Marisa and now Owusu back, um, they were already playing pretty well before Owusu came back. And that's when they ended up dropping a couple of those games was when Marisa left. And then, you know, she's back now. I think they're playing much better. I, I would really keep a, a close eye to me on Penn State of those three. Um, and I think between them and Nebraska are probably going to be the ones knocking on that door for fourth place. Um I just think Maryland's been a little bit too sporadic, but you know, I also wouldn't count out Brenda Freeze's um, coaching. Um, but I'm pretty high on Penn State this year, so I I'm going to kind of maybe slot them in really close to that fourth spot, if not actually overtaking it. Yeah, big key there is can Penn State win on the road? They've shown right. they can beat the teams in P in Happy Valley, but can they now that Owusu's playing and now and and they've got Marissa back? They lost in Bloomington. Now Owusu didn't play that game. But they didn't. They weren't able to get the win with Marissa playing in in Bloomington. So can they go to Ohio State? Can they go to um, Lincoln? And again, I don't know what all they go to. I'm not looking at their schedule. But I agree. I, Penn State's the one to keep an eye on. I think they are the one that could surprise. But I'm with Chloe. I think Nebraska ends up in that fourth spot uh, just because we know what they can do in Lincoln, and 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 they're they're always very good in Lincoln from that standpoint um let's go down now to that next group here that's going to kind of all be bunched in with four losses that's michigan minnesota and, and michigan state and again right now charlie cream has nine big 10 teams in his bracketology and those three are part of it 
Do you see those three teams staying in the bracket, Kathy? I don't know that all three are. I thought that having nine teams from the Big Ten as deep as I, I think it is, I feel like that might be a bridge too far <laughs> for me. Um, I think that, you know, one of those teams in particular, at least one, if not two, are going to slide out. Um, again, if I'm picking between the three, I'm pretty high on Michigan State, even though they're fourth right now. Um, I'd have to pull up their schedule to see what they have left on there. Um, I know they've already played Iowa on the road and they've had some other tough games. So I think Michigan State could probably move up and in those those rankings there um, between those three in particular and I think they make the the tournament if they can kind of hang on for the rest of the, the year but while you guys talk I'll pull up their schedule I might change my mind <laughs> Chloe what do you think of those three can all can all three stay in the bracket yeah I don't I don't I agree with Kathy I don't really think um the Big Ten's gonna have nine teams in the tournament I feel like that's a little bit of a stretch but I did just pull up Minnesota's schedule and they play Iowa twice um, um, still coming up and then they play Ohio State as well and that's I don't know if that's three guaranteed losses for Minnesota but it kind of seems like it so yeah. I'm a little bit less high on them now that I see the end of their schedule but I do think Michigan State has made a really good um, kind of run especially with you know all the roster turnover they've had and their new coach so I think However, Michigan State and Minnesota shake out, one of them could kind of be that surprise team or that final Big Ten team in the tournament. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to stick with my Michigan State. I mean, they do have um, us um, in Bloomington, and they do have Ohio State right after that. But otherwise, almost all of their you know, even away games are games that are probably quite winnable for Michigan State. So um, I, I think Michigan State kind of moves up on that list. I, I'm with you guys. I, I agree that Michigan State is probably going to be the team that stays in there. I'm a little, and Minnesota can be kind of like Kathy said, sporadic, kind of be a little Jekyll and Hyde. I, the team I think that falls out that I think if, and I may, two of them may end up falling out. I think Michigan's the team that will backslide toward nine, you know, eight, nine, 10 in the league. And so I'm not as sold on Michigan just because, you know, and I've been kind of trying yeah. to pay attention here. That game is now, that's a one point game. Uh, Maryland's up 67, 66 in Ann Arbor, but they just, they go to Illinois, blow them out, and we thought that was a huge win at the time. And Illinois has since been Illinois, but then they lose <laughs> games at home, and they beat yeah. Ohio State at home. And they beat Ohio State in Ann Arbor, but then they lose games, other games at home. So I'm I'm a little less bullish on Michigan. I think mm -hmm. Michigan State makes the tournament. Minnesota, to me, is kind of the bubble team in this group. Can they get enough wins? Because, like Chloe said that's probably three losses there. Can they find enough wins? Cause their net is at 31. They're going to with the teams they play. And that's the one thing other than the bottom part of the big 10, the teams they're playing, even if they lose their nets, aren't going to drop a ton. So right. Minnesota to me becomes kind of that classic first four, last four in first four out team that we're going to be looking at come to selection Monday or whenever it is selection Sunday. I can't remember how they're doing it now. Um, yeah. Let's look at the bottom Sunday, right after the men's show. All right. Um, let's look at the bottom kind of start here, looking at the run sheet from Illinois down to Rutgers. And and actually, let's go Illinois to Wisconsin, because I'm not sure Rutgers right now at 0 is going to be in the discussion. <laughs> Kathy, is there anybody in that group that can play spoiler to those top three teams? Um, Maybe Illinois, if they can finally get it 
put it back together, right? Like if, um, you know, some of those middle teams just still have Illinois on their schedule, um, I could see Illinois maybe upsetting. I don't know if it's an upset, but surprising them, I guess, if you will. Um, but that's just, again, because of their their experience. But boy, they haven't shown it this year. So I, I'm not, I wouldn't bet a whole lot of money on them. They would be about the only one of that group of five that I would think could um, could do anything. Chloe, your thoughts on that bottom group? Um, I would actually kind of say Purdue might be able to kind of surprise someone, maybe like how they did with Indiana, obviously in Indiana eventually pulled away in the second half, but if Purdue could come out and play like they did in the first half against Indiana, but sustain that throughout an entire game, that could kind of surprise, maybe not Iowa or the top three, but one of the kind of middle teams of the conference. So they could get one of those surprise wins. And that's a other thing. That's a great point, Chloe, that I didn't even think about till you kind of started going down that path. Those teams that we just talked about, the Michigan, Minnesota, Michigan State group, I'm not sure they can afford a loss to those teams in the mm-hmm. bottom part of the Big Ten. I think those, you know, right. and so that's a great point that it, the spoiler doesn't have to mean the top three. Um, it, it, it could be those bottom three teams that are hoping to make the bracket that, you know, they can't probably afford a loss to a Wisconsin or a Northwestern. Right. And, and again, Minnesota just had that. But, you know, with um, I, I'm with I'm, I'm on the Illinois. I think Chloe brings up some good points about Purdue. I, I, I want to think that Illinois at home is still somewhat dangerous, but again, they're running out of opportunities to show that um, and, and, and do something with it. So it'll be interesting to see if any of those teams at the bottom can make a little bit of a run to get themselves eligible for like the WNIT. Cause right now they're not looking very good for, for selection Sunday at all. I mean, they're not even right now in the bracket mix. So right. anybody got anything else they want to share Kathy or Chloe about the big 10 in general? I think, you know, I, I think we covered quite a bit of what I wanted to I hit think, on. I think we killed it. It was great. Yeah, we did kill it. That was awesome. Um, <laughs> just real quickly here. We we've mentioned this last night, Wisconsin, a 59 56 win at home against Minnesota tonight, Michigan state, a 97. And again, this is one thing Michigan's put up points. You've talked about the net ranking, Kathy. Yeah, I believe helped. the net, the net rewards teams who score a lot of points Yeah, and, and big margins and big yep. margins and Michigan state has scored over 90 several times this year. So 97, 70 and that game at Ann Arbor was 67, 66 with under a minute to go. Uh, yep. still there. They're probably having a bunch of timeouts and reviews yep. and all those things. They're going to take like 10 minutes Regrows, to go. Oh, yeah. hey, by the way, Chloe, real quick, <laughs> speaking of reviews, you were at the game on Sunday. Did you have any, I mean, when they did that review on Chloe's three, were you wondering why? Cause I was watching on TV and I'm like, that wasn't even close to a shot clock violation. Yeah. I was thinking that too, but I don't know. I didn't even notice they were reviewing it at first. Cause, um, <laughs> but it was, it was surprising to me. Cause I thought, it was like well in the air before the shot clock went off. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So real quick, we'll go through the rest of the schedule here before we kind of close out our episode tomorrow night. We mentioned this already Ohio state at Illinois Saturday. Again, this is a game in that group. We were talking about Michigan goes over to East Lansing to face Sparty and then Nebraska at Iowa. Now I'm not sure Nebraska can beat Iowa in Iowa city, but they do have some size inside with Markowski and it might yeah. be an issue where they can give them and Stolke and Chloe, I don't know how much you've been following it, but Stolke yeah. had a little bit of a knee injury over against Ohio state. So that will be interesting to kind of yeah. keep an eye on. Yeah. So we're all going to be Cornhusker fans on Saturday. <laughs> That's what I just heard, Jeff. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, and then Sunday while Maryland, Penn state, 
Ohio State at Purdue. That Maryland-Penn State game, talking about that group that's playing for four, five, and six, could go a long way to determine that. And then Minnesota goes to Illinois. Uh, so we kind of go around there. So let's go around here real quick. Uh, Chloe, you're our guest tonight, so we're going to let you go first. Your final thoughts about the Big Ten and Indiana women so far here at the halfway point in the Big Ten season. Um, I think um, I think Indiana has – I guess the thing that I've been thinking about Indiana lately is that they have – they're obviously able to beat the teams they need to beat, but kind of to get back into the national conversation, they need to, you know, beat those big teams like Iowa and Stanford, which they obviously haven't done. And I think Indiana really wants to get back into the national conversation, but they're going to have to kind of – figure out how they're able to do that with the kind of little high profile matchups they have left with Ohio state and Iowa, but that's Mm -hmm. just my thoughts. Kathy, your final thoughts. Yeah, I, I, I think Chloe, I think you nailed it. I, I, I agree. You know, they had a couple of really good marquee games, um, and they've not shown up for them. So what are they going to do when they go on the road to Ohio state here um, pretty soon? And then having Iowa come, come into town um, again, like I I hate overemphasizing the loss of one player, but I really do think that the loss of Sydney is a a really pretty big hole for them to fill. And maybe we don't see it against Purdue. Hopefully we don't, you know, miss her as much in at Northwestern either. Um, But I think going on the road to Ohio state in Maryland in particular, right after that, if it's not looking good for her to come back, I think those are two potential games we drop. And if we really don't have her back from Iowa, I just think that Iowa is a little bit deeper than we are. Um, I think that we end up dropping that game too. And I think that's going to potentially drop us out of the talk for hosting for NCAA too. So I think there's some really big, you know, potential here for this team, but they're really going to have to figure out how to fill that hole for Sydney in terms of rebounding and offensive production that she brought to us um, on the floor. Um, I, can they do it? I think they can. It's just going to be a group effort. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah my, I think we're going to be there at the end. I agree with Chloe. I think if they really want to kind of get back into the conversation, they really, uh, a win at Ohio state or beating Iowa in Bloomington is how you get back into the conversation. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, I, I predict at the beginning of the year, they would lose in Columbus. I, I still think they can win in, in, in college park and go to Maryland and win there. Mm-hmm. But obviously without Sydney, it becomes a little tougher um, yeah. with that. Uh, speaking of which Maryland and Michigan are going to overtime 67, 67. Yeah. So, so they're going to overtime. Um, unfortunately we don't play them like this weekend. Otherwise I'd say like have three overtimes and tire, right. tire them out <laughs> right. um, with that. So, Hey, real Kathy, why don't we get, get some Bob Thompson music and we'll wrap this thing up. Sounds good. So if you want, uh, we'll be back on Sunday. And by the way, Brandon brought this up in the Workaholics brand. For some reason, we had it wrong in the run sheet, but it is correct. It's a two o'clock Eastern time start on BTM plus one central time, two Eastern, one central. We think we said 12 and 11. I think we added a one there when we were doing the run sheet. So that's probably my fault as I was putting times in. Uh, We will. So our next show will be Sunday after the Northwestern game, the post game show, approximately four Eastern, three central here. You can be here if you want to watch us do the show and be a part of the live chat the workaholics make sure that you subscribe to our youtube channel that's youtube.com slash at and that's the at symbol 
at Back Home Network, youtube.com slash at Back Home Network. You can be a part of our private community as well. Find out more at assemblycall.substack.com. Special thanks to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logos. And a big thank you to Bob Thompson for our music that you heard through the broadcast. I want to thank Chloe Peterson of the Indy Star mm -hmm. for joining us again tonight. We hope to have Chloe on again uh, uh, before the season's out, if not a couple times, because Chloe, you, you bring an excellent perspective to, to, a, to the broadcast. So I hope you enjoyed being with us this evening. Yeah, thanks for having me. We want to thank all of you guys for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Sunday. Until then, keep your elbow in, your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. All right. All right. Great. Well, thanks again, Chloe. Yeah, I'm glad you're able to join us tonight. Yeah, thanks Enjoy for having me. Yeah. Hey, hey, I'll ask both of you. Is Kathy, you're out in Iowa, but you got any fog today, tonight? Oh, gosh, yeah. Fog yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it's fog here. I don't know what's <laughs> yeah. like in Indy, but... It, well, we had 22 inches of snow that's now deciding to melt, <laughs> yeah. so it's got to yeah. go somewhere, and it's too, the ground's too frozen, so... And we had ice. Guy. We, yeah. we had we had ice the other day up here. We yeah. got out of school early Monday because of the ice, and then I had to go to a game last night, northern part of the county here, up to KV and Kankakee Valley. Man, I'm telling you, it was so foggy last night. It was a good thing I knew the road because yeah. I would have missed a couple of the stop signs if I didn't yeah. know they were coming up. So, but I don't know. Is Indy getting some fog there, Chloe? Have you looked outside? Yeah, yeah. It's been really. It was really foggy yesterday. I went. I went to Purdue for um, a game against Michigan last night, and coming back it was kind of the same thing as you where i could barely tell where i was going and then yeah. it started raining too and i was just like oh hopefully right. i make it back <laughs> i know this is not a yeah. purdue men's broadcast but yeah or podcast but i didn't get seen that game last night but from my understanding michigan was bad oh yeah yeah they were not good i think purdue went up like 23 to 10 at the 15 minute mark of the first half and then i don't think they I don't think Michigan got within 10 points the rest oh, of the wow. game. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, hey, we're going to get out of here. Chloe, appreciate yeah. you being with us, and we'll get to, get you back on again here yeah. the, as, as, when we can. Um, obviously, post-game shows are a little harder for you because yeah. you're doing your job, but if we get another mm -hmm. chance with uh, doing the work and, and the, just the regular podcast, or sometimes I refer yeah. to a DTW <laughs> radio, you know, we'll, we'll, try, we'll get you back on when we can. Yeah, thanks, thanks again for having Chloe. me. Thank yeah. you. Cl Have Kathy, fun. I will talk to you Sunday. Yep. Yeah, Sounds I know you got to get up early for work. So, yep, sure do. All right. Good night, everyone. All right. Thanks, Good everybody. Night. Good night. Bye bye.